I, I forgive you for the way you played basketball. No, he's not here. I'll, I'll pass it on. You bent my glasses. Shouldn't hug with these things on. Uh, we are in Philippians chapter 4 this morning. Verses 1 through 9. And I just one more add-on. In the next several weeks, I'm expecting more testimonies. And so if something similar happens to you, uh, please let us know. And we uh, can overcome the enemy through testimony. Amen. They're powerful. That's a powerful thing. Philippians chapter 4. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntech to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is any anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Lord, we just thank you for these scriptures this morning. There's so, so many good things to unpack here. Just pray for your word to go forth. And and even as it already has, Lord, through song and through testimony, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would be moving this morning. Lord, that there would be testimonies come forth of your goodness and of your miraculous power and desire to see your children saved and changed. Lord, we just pray for Jackie now and just ask uh, for your anointing on him in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God has blessed us with a pretty powerful morning so far. And, uh, God is good, and I'm a, I'm a testimony of His goodness. So as we look at our scripture this morning, we want to, you know, just really understand that everything leading up to now has been orchestrated by the hand of the Lord. I know a lot of people have plans, and a lot of things work out together, but behind it all is the Lord Jesus Christ moving and working. The words we, we heard from Jeff, the prayers, the everything that has gone on up to this point is, is calling us to this concept that we've been talking about in Philippians, right? That I need to change my mind. 
If I'll change my mind, God will change my heart. And he wants us all to be set free. And the point of Philippians at the end is that we can have peace with God. And that peace of God passes all understanding. So that we are set free from all those things that are bondage to us. Our unforgiveness. That's a bondage to me, not to whoever I'm holding accountable for whatever they have done. It's all stuff that chains me up. Sometimes you don't even notice it. You can go years, tens of years, 20 years, 30 years, whole lifetime, feeling, having, having made this decision to be so angry or frustrated or... And all the, whatever that feeling, all of that has done, the power of the enemy has taken you and wrapped you up in chains. And you don't even know it. And you can come to church every Sunday and still be in bondage. Still be wrapped up by all that baggage. We all have it. There's not one of us in here that don't have it. It may not be the same thing, but it's something. And so Paul, writing to the Philippians, is telling them the same thing that we're, that we're seeing today. We need to change our minds. In fact, we need to persevere in it all. Look in verse 1, he says, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and I long for, you are my joy and my crown. So stand firm thus in the Lord. Stand. What do you mean, stand firm how? Well, all the things he's been talking about. We're in chapter 4, but the three previous chapters, he's been telling us that learning to rejoice is not easy. And sometimes we think we're supposed to rejoice in whatever the thing is. But he tells us to re- our, our rejoicing is in the Lord. It's in Him. It's in that relationship when, like Jeff, you hear God whisper your name. And He speaks to your heart. And he says to you, hey, you need to let this go. And we beat that and close the door and kick them out and say, no, that's, that's too painful. That's too fresh. That's too hard. Paul is encouraging us. Listen, we need to learn that our joy is found in the Lord in understanding that He is the ultimate <coughs> value in our life. And all the other things that we've achieved pale in comparison to achieving that kind of personal relation. I tell you right now, I've, I've been where, where Jeff was talking about, and I, there's, there is nothing I wouldn't give for the moment, no matter how painful or hard, sitting in a bed in the dark to hear God whisper your name. And if you've had that, if you've experienced that, you're saying the same thing. There's nothing I wouldn't give. And if you haven't had that, Man, you don't know what you're missing. Because to have that moment, you know, maybe you get one. Maybe you get a hundred. I don't know. But I know in the middle of desert hot springs, we used to call it desperate hot things. In the middle of desert hot springs, in the back of a Nissan truck, uh, God called my name. Three in the morning, out in the desert. And no matter what happens, I can always go back to that moment. And I can say, man, I heard you. 
And it's been enough to empower me for a long time. Just remembering remembering that call of God. We want to learn to rejoice in the Lord, that He's our strength. And this is what this is how we achieve that. We change our mind. We change our mind. We are usually central in our life. <clears throat> my life revolves around me. But the Lord is calling us to let my life revolve around Him. So it starts with me changing my mind with a submissive attitude toward Jesus. So then if Jesus says this is it, then this is it. Because sometimes, guys, the guy, the father we're upset with is our heavenly father. Because I didn't get what I wanted. I didn't get something, some relationship or some healing or some blessing. And so I'm angry and I'm mad and I'm frustrated. And God says, Jackie, you need to change your mind. You need to have an attitude of submission before the Lord. Just like Jesus, right? Sitting in the garden of Gashmone, Gethsemane. Looking up into heaven to his father. And saying, nevertheless, not my will. How'd it go? Yours be done. Because the father was central. Having God central. I need to change my mind. I need to change my heart, my mind about other people. Because not only does He want me to be submissive toward Jesus, He wants me to have a servant's heart toward others. And a servant's heart toward others involved three things we saw earlier in the, in the book of Philippians. It involved having a commitment to prayer, like you've seen this morning. And there are several prayer groups that are praying, you know, almost every day of the week. Having a commitment to prayer is a servant's heart toward others because you're remembering to lift them up. Yeah, you got stuff to do. Everybody does. But it doesn't take that much time to pray for somebody, does it? Having a commitment to prayer. Putting your confidence in the Lord. That's the second thing. I gotta, if I'm going to have a servant's heart toward others, my confidence is in the Lord, not in me. Nobody needs you to solve their problems. Yeah, we need another amen. amen. Nobody needs you to solve their problems. Amen. We have a whole nation that's spending all this time trying to solve everybody's problems. Nobody needs you to solve their problem. What we need is men and women with confidence in the Lord and the willingness to care. Which means sometimes you just listen. You don't got to fix it. Most of the time you can't. Right? The Bible says be quick to listen. And shut up. That would be a good way to do that verse. <laughs> be quick to listen and slow to speak, right? Be quick to listen. We want to have confidence in the Lord, not in myself, and a concern for others. So that's how we have a servant's heart. This is what he's saying. Stand firm in this. Stand firm in changing your mind. <clears throat> Stand firm in being submitted toward Jesus Christ. Stand firm in being a, having a servant's heart for other people. That means when we come to church, it's not what can I get? It's what can I give? And I'm not talking about your money. I don't care. Keep it. I want you to give concern for someone else. See someone else and shake their hand. See someone else and give them a hug. See someone else and ask them how they're doing. Engage. Talk, because the one thing that we're all missing, we all say we're hermits, we all say we live under a rock and we'd all be satisfied, but that's not true for nobody. 
Everybody wants to contact someone. Everybody. So we come to look for someone to give to. The Bible says God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, he shall also. Man, nobody's ever reaching out to me. Okay. Do you just listen to the verse we just talked about? You want somebody to reach out to you, do what? Reach out. It's not hard. Well, it is hard, but buck up. <clears throat> yeah, it's doable. It's not like I'm, I'm asking you to create the world in a word, right? Reach out. Reach out. Care about other people. And then understand, what else has Paul been telling us? He's been telling us this idea that the order of life goes like this. Priority, then purpose. <clears throat> Priority is Christ. Purpose is to glorify Him. Priority is Christ. Purpose is not how big's your checking account. Who cares? A lot of rich people die miserable. I know. I have said I'd like to try it just to find out, but I don't know. <laughs> but the Word of God, which is the ultimate authority, says it's priority than purpose. Priority. Christ is. Paul said everything I've ever gained is garbage compared to what I have in Christ. So he's telling us, brethren, stand firm thus in the Lord. Priority, then purpose. And then this last chapter, he said this, strive for unity of the brotherhood in the bond of peace. We are unified in truth. We can't be unified in a lie. So nobody's saying, we just want unity and don't worry about the truth. No, we're unified in the truth. We're unified in Jesus Christ. But we are unified because we care more about being unified than we care about being right. I have been wrong. <laughs> Kathy, this is being recorded, so you'd be excited about that. <laughs> I've been wrong so many times because I want to be right. Well, who cares at the end? Who wins the argument about... Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Who cares? I mean, a lot of times our, our argumentation, especially over religious matters, sometimes that's what it comes down to. We're arguing over stuff that we, we allow to divide us. We don't want to allow to divide us. <clears throat> Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. How shall we walk? Look at verse 2. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Those words are important. Bearing, that means it's not always easy. Bearing with one another how? In love. Why? Because we love Christ and Christ tells us to love one another. We can find lots of reasons to be mad at each other. I can find a hundred reasons to be mad at my dad or mad at my mom or mad at God. But none of that is bearing with one another in love. None of that is saying, you know what, I'm allowing God to transform me because I'm not who I was. That's what our brother was sharing this morning. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. <coughs> 
Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. That's the goal. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. How many of you guys like just being stressed out all the time? You like hanging out with people who are mad all the time. Or bitter or angry. None of us like it. That should tell us we're looking in the mirror. So stop. Just let it go. Let it go. Change your mind. And God will change your heart. Change your mind and allow God to do the work He wants to do. 1 Corinthians 15.58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Does God see it? For sure. Does it matter to Him? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's beneficial for you. Now listen, Paul points to the relationships with people that threaten our joy in the very next verse. Philippians had them too. It says, I entreat Iodia and I entreat Sintechi to meet together, to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. It's interesting because these two names are common names. They're not uncommon. They're uncommon to you and I. We look at it and say, well, I don't know really how to say that. <clears throat> Me neither. But I can tell you what it means. Iodia means the good way. And Sintachi means to meet together. We need the good way and the willingness to meet together to agree. We need people to stop bickering and being angry at one another and neighbors hateful toward one another and all those things. We just need to let it, let that stuff go. Let those things that, that tear us apart. And here's what he tells us. One, we want to strive for unity. So how do we do that? Well, what has he already told us? Be of the same mind. How do I, what kind of mind am I supposed to be? What he tells us in chapter two, let the mind of Christ dwell in you. The mind of Christ. What was the mind of Christ? It was a mind of humility. Thinking of others. Not of myself. Right? Being others focused. It was a mind that had a servant's heart. Not a selfish heart. He told us in Philippians chapter 2 verse 2. He said, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing <coughs> from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. This is the mind, right? He, all the way through Philippians, you're going to have this idea. How am I supposed to think? Then what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to think? What am I supposed to do? Well, here he's saying, this is how you're supposed to think, like Christ. And what am I supposed to do? Help each other. That's what he tells us right here in, in, in Philippians 4, 2 and 3. I ask you, true companion, help these women. You know people who are having a hard time struggling with one another? Help them. Help them be at peace. Help them find unity. Paul urges us to stir up, build up, and cheer up. 
We need to look for those opportunities. When I come to church, I want to receive those things. I'll tell you, VBS was amazing. A lot of times I look at VBS like there's not enough monster in the store for me at all for VBS. (laughs) And I haven't had a monster for like, I don't even know how long, a couple weeks. No, it ain't been a month yet. I'm going to mark that day when it gets to be a month. But I'm thinking, man, there's not enough and, and... and I really, you know, to be honest, don't have a, huge, a great attitude toward, toward VBS. Great, It's awesome that kids get to, it's just hard to, to do. I don't know if you can relate. Look, if you didn't do VBS, then just shut up. You don't have nothing to say. <laughs> if, you, <coughs> if you do VBS, then you're thinking, yeah, I know what he's talking about. You, day one's easy. Day two's like, oh, day three's, oh, a little more, you know, day four. But I'll tell you this. That's kind of what I'm thinking as I'm going in. You know, I've been doing 10 years of VBS. So then I, this year, I'm doing story time with the kids. And I will tell you that that was the greatest blessing I have had in a long time. Because I sit down and I'm, and I, you know, well, that's kind. But I'm sitting down and there's, I'm, I got three-year-olds and five-year-olds. And, and I'm trying to think, you know, I have all these things in my mind about the lesson. And I got to get it down into a three-year-old. I got to... Something that they can grab, right? Because otherwise, what's the point? You know, we're wasting our time. And so I'm, I'm trying to teach them and love on them and care about them. And every single day, I don't even know how many hugs I get in a day. Like, uh, I, I had kids just come running over. Oh, Pastor Jackie, want to give me a hug? Now, that was worth more than anything you could ever give me. Because that built me up. That cheered me up. And that encouraged me to keep going. And if a three-year-old can do it, for crying out loud, so can we. (laughs) It's not that complicated to care. You just have to change your mind. For, gosh, I've been in ministry like 25 years. We started here July 12, 2009. That was the first Sunday that you guys accepted me as a pastor. There have been many days you didn't accept me since. <laughs> but that was 10 years ago, praise God. And the average life ex- expectancy of a pastor in a church is two years. So we're doing pretty good. That's going pretty good. And, and God's blessing and those, those things are, are awesome. But all for a huge portion of my life, you know, still today, I talk to my Mother and father, uh, maybe once a year. And I always say, I'm not really mad, but maybe. My mom has Alzheimer's, so she doesn't know me anymore. And my my dad, he, he ditched us all when I was 18. So I'm, I think I'm still a little upset at that decision. For those of us who think divorce doesn't affect anybody, here I am. Almost 40 years later, and I'm still mad. But we choose that, don't we? I let that mind be in me. But what Paul's telling me to is let the mind of Christ be in me, which is a humble mind, which is a submitted unto Him mind. And a submitted mind to Him says, we're supposed to forgive, right? And let those things go. The only person that's hurting is me. So we want to let those things be. We want to then 
say, how can I help? How can I help the people around me? That's why we pray for each other. That's why we do that weird stuff where people come up and, and folks are praying with them. So you have a connection with somebody. That's why we look for an opportunity, just like those three-year-olds in that class, to come over and give somebody a hug. And just say, I'm thinking about you. You see, sometimes that's all someone needs to hear. They don't need you to solve their problems. They just need you to say, hey, I was thinking about you. Been praying for you. I hope you're feeling okay. People you haven't seen in a while, it's okay to send that text. It's okay to reach out. You say, well, nobody's ever sent me one. Well, good. Nobody's ever sent me one neither. So what? So what? That doesn't change anything. Build up. Stir up. Cheer up. Reach out. Hebrews 10, 24 says, Now let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting the meeting together as some uh, as it is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approach. So then what's he want us to do? <clears throat> he wants us to follow a principle. What? Life needs to be Christ-centered. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice in the Lord. He's our joy. Your joy is not going to be life on this rock. Life on this rock is our treasury. Our joy is in the Lord. So stay focused on Him. Keep our eyes on Him. If your joy is something else, your joy will fade. If your joy is in the Lord, He doesn't go anywhere. He's always there. He's always at hand. He tells us not only to be Christ-centered, but He wants us to have a better attitude toward one another. In verse 5, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Does everybody know your reasonableness? Or does everybody know your hard-headedness? That's the opposite. Let your stubbornness be known to all mankind. That's not what he says. He <laughs> says, let your reasonableness. What that word means is someone that does not insist on their own way. Someone that does not insist on their own way. Someone who has ears to hear. That's our problem in this nation. That's our problem with our political system. Okay? Uh, you don't want to hear it. Too bad. Uh, we talk past each other. You talk past people when you won't hear what their issue is. And that goes on both sides. Holy cow. I'll give you one quick example. One side says build the wall. The other side says... You have to be loving toward immigrants. And nobody hears each other when they say it. Okay, first off, building a wall does not is not equal not being loving to immigrants. Our nation is still the number one immigrated nation in the entire world. Whether you got a wall or not, it's not going to change that. That's not going to change it. That's being loving toward immigrants. But we're so busy shaking our fists and... That we can't hear the other side saying, hey, you need to be loving toward immigrants. Because there are some immigrants who didn't choose to be here illegally. It just happened that way. Mom and dad came. Now the boy is 16 years old. He's trying to graduate from high school. He can't graduate from high school. Now he's in trouble with immigration. And you can't have compassion for that? He didn't choose anything. He's just living in it. Trying to make it work. 
He's not trying to rob your house. He's not trying to kill your neighbor. He's not trying to do any of that stuff. But you can't hear the compassion on the other side to say, well, maybe there's something we can do for that. And maybe there's something we can do. Somebody asked me once, would Jesus build a wall? Yeah, He did. He built a wall. Listen, He built a wall and then He left a big opening in it and He stood in it and He said, I am the way. Period. There's one way through Jesus Christ. And there's lots of ways for these things to be answered, but we don't let our reasonableness be known to all men. We let our stubbornness. Well, it's all got to be my way or no way. Nope, it's all got to be my way or no way. So you have two groups holding bike locks, swinging them at each other. What do you think is going to happen? Let your reasonableness be known to all men. For the Lord is at hand. He's the real king, right? James 3.16 says this, Where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. It doesn't say that the other way. I want you to hear that. It doesn't say where disorder and vile practices are, there's jealousy and selfish ambition. It says it starts with jealousy and selfish ambition. And what comes from that is disorder and vile practices. But wisdom from heaven, wisdom from above, is first what? Pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Man, we spend a lot of time yelling at one another. But we're not getting nowhere that way. We get, we get somewhere when we start to listen to each other. Try to hear the heart of what's being shared. Let your reasonableness be known. Control our attitude toward others. And what's the result? The result is peace. How do we reach that result? Look at the prayer. Do not be anxious about... Wow. Does it say be anxious about everything? Because that's how most of us do this. It says do not be anxious about anything, but do what? In everything by prayer and supplication with what? Thanksgiving. Now how can I pray with thanksgiving? Because Christ is centered and I'm thankful for Him. I may not be thankful for all the other stuff, but I can always be thankful for Him. So I'm going to come to Him in prayer with supplication, being thankful for Him. And letting my request be known to God. Unify our nation. Unify our town. Unify our people. Put away our pride and selfish ambition. And let us walk in humility. And care about each other. Care about finding peace. Because I don't have to have my way. And I'm able to hear I want to let my request be made known to God. And what happens? The peace of God which surpasses what? All understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. That, I want that peace. That peace is what I feel every time a little child runs up and gives me a hug. Because they're happy to see me. That's peace. It's peace when we smile and laugh together and talk about our, our joys and our struggles. That's peace. 
It's peace when a brother or sister is weeping and we come alongside and we don't try to solve it. We just give them a hug and say, I care. Let me pray with you. That's peace. You want peace, you got to sow peace. Brothers and sisters, you want peace, you got to sow peace. Then you bring forth a harvest of peace. Yeah, I'm not saying sacrifice the truth. Nobody's saying sacrifice the truth. I'm just saying sow peace. Why do you share the truth with your neighbor? So you can burn them? Burn! I'm smarter than you. Burn! That was a better answer than one you got. Or is it so you can find peace? I had an uncle. I was a... I was a knucklehead. I'm, I'm a knucklehead still, probably. And uh, I've shared this, some of this story before. You know, I, I, there's not a vehicle I haven't wrecked. There's not something with two to four to 18 wheels I haven't blown up or stolen or done something I shouldn't ought have done with it. I had an uncle who owned a German automotive shop. And when I was a sophomore in school in the middle of all my stealing and breaking and totaling vehicles, he gave me a job at his shop. And part of that job was to take, you know, $50,000 vehicles back in the 80s for test drives. <laughs> you know, I totaled, I don't even know how many, 10, 12 cars from the time I was 16 till 18. That's two years. Did not was not hard for me. But you know, my uncle never one time ever said anything about any of it. Not one time. I never totaled any of his. I, I tried to be honorable at work. I wasn't, but I tried. You know, I can tell you exactly how fast a 911 SC Porsche Carrera can go up the grade to Big Bear. <laughs> but he never, he never threw all that stuff at my face. He was the most peaceful, loving man I've ever met in my life. Ever. And that's the, that's the every time I think about that, I say, man, I want to be like that. The regular me comes out, but I want to be like that. I want to be peaceful and I want to be loving and I want to think about all the bad things that somebody's ever done. I want to I want to have my mind focused on something else. Isn't that what he tells us in verse 8? Finally, my brethren, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there's excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. There's a long list of all the stuff that's wrong with us. Right? The problem is we don't we always are able to see that long list in everybody else. But trust me that you got a long list too. But the Bible doesn't say focus on the long list of problems that everybody has. Look at them and think about how they fall short on your list of requirements of being somebody that's good or somebody that's smart or somebody that's right. That's not what Paul says. Paul says we're supposed to change our mind. So what's he tell us to meditate on? The true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and praiseworthy. Set your mind on those things. If 
Jesus says of the brethren, Who can condemn you? For there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Why do you think it's your job to find out what's screwed up about everybody else? He says, change your mind. Think about the pure, the lovely, the good. Because I'll tell you what God will do. When you do that about someone, he'll change the way you think about them. He'll change the way you feel about them. And then, those areas where there's conflict, you will have love for them. And when you're together, you're actually going to be able to affect that walk in their life because you actually care. Not because you just want to be right. Because I actually care. And then, then it's coming from a place of love, right? It's coming from a place of love. So he says, What you have learned and received and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Practice these things. Anybody ever intend <coughs> on practicing something and, and, and get it wrong? That's what you practice for. Just keep trying. Keep doing it over and over. I have to keep rethinking how I think. I have to keep changing those things in my life because I want to be transformed. Don't you? I don't want to be the me I've always been. I want to be the me that God sees. I want to have the victory that God gives. And the cool thing is, guys, He tells us how to have it. He's telling us how to have it. Practice these things. Practice the things we've been discussing Have peace. And then someone's going to look at us from outside and they're going to say, what's wrong with those people? They love each other. It's weird. (laughs) You say, man, I keep trying to do that. Well, why don't we practice some of this and see if the peace of God doesn't rule in our heart like Paul said it would. What if we practice changing our mind and let God change our heart? Amen? Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for just the opportunity we have to be here. To hear words of testimony, Lord God. What a blessing. Lord, uh, just to have the desire to just make that connection with you. I don't always know, you know, who... Who did what, when, Lord. I just know your word tells me that you call us. And then we respond. Then you empower us. And we grow. And then as we grow, Lord, you, you challenge us. Let this mind be in you. What if you walked in humility, not in pride? What if you were reasonable and you were a listener? What if you were thinking not about what someone said to me or did to me, but what can I do for someone? God, what would you do in the church? Because I just know, Lord, that the, the lost are looking desperately. Our world is crying out for something that's real. And the frustration with church has always been it's not. And we're messing that up. 
Not because you don't have the power to transform, but because we refuse obedience. So may we be obedient, God. May we bow the knee to the King of Kings. May our lives be centered on you. May you grant us victory in a transformed life. And may we truly start to care about one another. Help one another. Walk in unity with one another. And in it all, Lord, it's not about us. I hope everybody forgets my name, but they know the name of Jesus Christ. Because he's the one that made me what I am. He's the one who's making me what I am. And Lord, we, we do, Lord. I, I know I had a brother remind me this morning. And I always say I'm living the dream, but I ought to be saying I'm living in the hope of seeing Jesus soon. Looking into his eyes. Living in the hope of seeing lives transformed. And you call us to that great and glorious hope. The appearance of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So God be glorified in a church that's looking to you, <coughs> obeying you, walking in peace with one another, holding on to the truth of who you are. And God, may you be glorified. All the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.